From the mobile studio on the road, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or just want your want more people to know about your company, give EPR Creations a call. Tell them you heard about it from the Unconquered Podcast. This is, of course, the Florida Hot Takes podcast after Florida fall or after Florida State falls to Florida in the season finale, twenty four to twenty one in a very, very close, closely contested, and pretty ugly football game between two bad football teams. So, uh, yeah, that thus the twenty twenty one season unceremoniously ends. And quite frankly, this game boiled down to a few key things. Number one is terrible start and terrible finish. They, this game could not have started much worse for Florida State. Uh, gave up a big play on that touchdown down the sideline to the H-back tight end. And he's a guy that gave Florida State a ton of trouble all, all game. And uh, then you go out there in your first drive, and the, the thing that you're most afraid of happening in this, in this season happens, and that is Jordan Travis gets dinged up. Uh, he goes to the sideline with his arm hanging, his throwing arm hanging on that first drive. And he did come back for that second drive, but obviously affected and uh, went out. And, you know, they'd, they'd move the football up on that second drive and were in position to potentially get into scoring position. Then he gets hit again, and you could see it was probably a stinger or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's hanging again. And he went to the sideline, and in comes Mackenzie Milton and promptly does not catch the snap, goes over his head. Loss of 15 yards, that's one for one flush drive, and really this ultimately led to uh, Travis in the first half, in the first quarter, when he got dinged up. That ultimately cost them, they, they flushed three drives in the first half as a result of that in the first quarter, where uh, Mackenzie Milton with that, that one uh, not catching the snap, uh, that one cost him that drive, and then the next drive he ro- on that little rollout, uh, rolling left, and that's a throw that Jordan Travis has made with, you know, pretty considerable accuracy. Well, Milton has a tendency to let his elbow drop, and his mechanics have, have gotten pretty sloppy. Part, I mean, it's understandable, but, you know, overall mechanics and footwork, footwork up. Mechanics are pretty sloppy. Let that elbow drop, and when the elbow drops and you push the ball, sometimes that ball sails on you, and he missed his location, and it sailed on him, and that was that. That went went for an interception, key interception there, and then... From the, and, and then the next drive, you get Tate Rodemaker out there, and you have a, an initial play on first down, and offensive P, uh, pass interference, OPI happens, and uh, you get called for that, and all of a sudden you flush three drives in the in the first quarter, and that really is where they lost this football game, in my opinion, uh, as as much as anything. I mean, you one point four yards per play in the first quarter, and then you know they they handled things pretty well after that. I mean, 7.7 yards per play after Travis returned in the second quarter, 5.3 and 6.0 yards per play in the second half, in the third quarter and fourth quarter for, you know, well over five and a half yards per play, a little over five and a half yards per play in the second half. You're going to win the football game with those numbers based on what we expected coming in. But it was that start that really put them behind the eight ball and, and allowed Florida to play the kind of football that they wanted to play. I mean, Florida did not want to have to throw the football a bunch in this game, and you could see why with the three interceptions uh, from Emory uh, Emory Simmons or from uh, I'm sorry Emory Jones in this uh, in this game, and 
you could see they didn't want to have to throw it. And once they got to where they had a little bit of a lead, they didn't really have to throw it. And that was, that was really it for Florida State when they were able to throw when they wanted to and then not turn it over. And, and frankly, this was, just a, this was a game where too many breaks just went the wrong way for Florida State in a, in a, in a rivalry game. And, and many of these were breaks that you make yourself. But, I mean, aside from Jordan Travis getting dinged up there, which cost him three, effectively three drives where you don't have any depth at that quarterback position, at least since, uh, since Chubba Purdy transferred. You've got no depth. As soon as he goes to the sideline, you basically have no offense. So that's number one. Then you've got the muffed punt. As soon as they had flipped the field position, they got a big stop. They force a, force a, a punt. Florida's punter hits a bomb that goes right into the sun, and you could see he was trying to, trying to gauge it, and Fair caught it because he was a little concerned about it. And then still misjudged it. And that's one where, you know, he's probably had it hammered into him. You gotta catch the punt. You gotta catch these punts. You gotta catch these punts. And that's the right thing. But if you do lose it, if you do lose it in the sun, you can't. And that was a that was just a bad situation for uh for FSU led to a turnover essentially off that muff punt. And again, really poor timing right after they'd flipped the field position, gotten a big stop, and that that ultimately changed the game there. So to me, the game was was largely lost in the first quarter, and then in that sequence, the 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 muff punt, and then immediately following that, where you know it was what it was. It's not not what you're wanting, and but beyond that, still a number of other breaks just went the wrong way. I mean, the deflection on a third down, you know, you you get your corner gets his hand on the football. It's it's a a throw into coverage, corner gets his hand on the football and, and happens to deflect it just enough to cause the receiver to bobble it. Receiver bobbles it multiple times and falls, and the ball falls into his lap as he falls into the end zone just inbounds. And, you know, that's a third down touchdown that, again, that's the difference in the football game there. So lots of little places where Florida State could have won this game. Now, they did get a couple breaks. I mean, you had the ridiculous Jordan Travis fumble up into the air recovered by Jordan Wilson at the end there. Uh but another one that I thought was a break for Florida was that that interception uh, of the Jordan Travis throw up the left sideline, that that did not get overturned. I mean, I can see that it, you know, there's reason to, to let it stand, but I, I thought the ball had, had moved enough when it hit the ground, and you know, one of the angles showed the right hand coming off the ball. I, I thought that was enough, but again, the, the fact that the camera angles weren't good enough and so on to, to overturn that, I don't actually think he that was a that was a, a a full catch, but in terms of breaks and camera angles and everything else, that was enough. And you know, overall, I thought that this game, Florida State needed things to to break right for the most part for this game to go well, uh, for them to win this game. They needed Jordan Travis to play all four quarters and to play well, and they got three quarters of Jordan Travis. And and I thought they were the better team when Travis was on the field. And you could see this, you know, overall, they were they averaged 5.3 yards per play on offense, gave up 5.0 yards per play, not including the end-of-game end of kneel downs. That tells you that, you know, this is a pretty even football game overall, and I thought FSU overall, with Travis on the field, probably wins this game if he plays four quarters. All that said, it was very obvious. We look at the offensive side of the ball, and offensive side is brought to you by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. As I've explained before, Lewis is a trained photographer and videographer, the best in the business in the real estate market out in the greater Jacksonville area. If you are out there and you have any real estate needs, you give him a call. Refer your people to him if they're going to Jacksonville. Let them know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. But as we look at the offensive side, 
you're looking at two different offenses. It was very obvious that this team, it, and we've seen it all year, this team is completely different with Jordan Travis versus without Jordan Travis. They, they, this is a, honestly, I'm not sure this team has more than one or two wins this year without Jordan Travis, and I'm not sure they have that. I mean, they, they had, maybe if, if Chubba Purdy had taken over at some point in the year and, and had proven to be, to be good enough, then maybe this team wins a game or two. I mean, they're, they're going to they're, they're gonna beat UMass. But aside from UMass, I'm not sure that they have another win on the schedule if they don't have Jordan Travis in terms of the guys on this roster because the, the other quarterbacks are just not good enough to win with with this roster. Now, that doesn't mean that Travis is an elite quarterback, but it means that he's that big of a difference. He's that valuable for this team. And actually, I, I had... Uh, Bert Bertoldi, one of the uh, one of the one of the Patreon sponsors for this show, who has been just a massive uh, supporter, you know, baseball player at Florida State, massive, huge knoll. And he asked me not long ago. He said, "You know, is Jordan Travis is he the most valuable player in Florida State football history?" And you know, I, my initial reaction was like, "No, no way," but. <laughs> When you watch this game and you watch the season as a whole and you reflect on it, he may have a point. I mean, Jordan Travis might be the most valuable single player to any Florida State team in school history. I mean, if, you, if, if, if you're out there and you disagree with this, I want to know who you think is, more, is a more valuable player historically in terms of the program because of exactly what I was just saying. I'm not sure that this team wins more than one game without Jordan Travis on this roster. If you're having Mackenzie Milton or Tate Rodemaker playing at the quarterback position all year this year without Jordan Travis at all, I'm not sure they win, a, they win more than one game. And in this, this game, one quarter without him, essentially, was enough, a little less than one, one full quarter, was enough that I think it gave Florida an, just enough of an edge. Because they're com- two completely different offenses with or without Travis. And it's not just because of his legs. He was able to make throws that the other guys could not make in this game. And this was against a team. It was tr- it's very clear. Florida State's offensive line still very banged up. You know, they were held together by, you know, duct tape and wire coming into this game. Struggled to block a quality Florida defensive front. They just did. And you expected that. But Travis still was able to make plays. And they didn't have anybody else who could do that. And again, 7.7 yards per play after Travis returned in the second, second quarter. 5.3 yards per play and 6.0 yards per play in the third and fourth quarters, respectively. That's good enough to win. That's good enough to beat Florida with the way that your defense played in this game. But it wasn't good enough to win without that all game. And it just exposed they have zero quality quarterback depth behind Travis. And, you know, they're going to have to, Duffy is going to have to be as good as I think he is for them next year. And, and, and really, the, the, the biggest downside to, to really putting all your chips behind Jordan Travis is that he has struggled to stay healthy. You know, he's not a big frame guy. He has gotten banged up in each of his years as a, as a primary, primary starter. And you've got to be ready. You've got to have another quarterback ready to step in if he does go down, if he does get hurt. And, you know, he's missed a lot of practice just because of being banged up or from, from other things over the last couple of years. You've got to have another, another quality player 
that can at least present problems for your defense in practice. But more than that, when you have a situation like today, you've got to be able to have somebody else who can step in and make plays. So Duffy needs to be that next year, and they're probably going to need to get another quarterback in the transfer portal that can be that as well. Because right now, they, they don't have another one of those quality options. And, you know, Rodemaker has a chance of, you know, maybe maybe he grows over the over the course of the offseason to to become somebody that, that at least can come in and manage a game as, as things go. But you can't have another year like this one where if your quarterback is on the sideline, you have just no shot. No shot of being competitive. And that's where they were this year. I mean, you, again, when he went to the sideline, you have an immediate 15-yard loss. Next drive is a bad interception. And then a next drive is a three and out. I mean, it, you just you, you can't. You can't win that way, and especially with a guy that runs it and you know takes as many risks as, as Travis has to because of uh, because of his overall skill set and some of the stuff around him on the team. You have to have him using his legs in order to be a threat, and that means he's going to take some shots. And with the offensive line not being elite, he's going to take some shots in the pocket too. So they're going to have to get that fixed for next year, and it was enough of a difference in this game. Now defensively. And again, the defensive side brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, Carborough, North Carolina. You can find her at shenrealestate.com. She's the best in the business in the research triangle area, particularly Chapel Hill and Carborough. Give her a holler if you know anybody moving to the uh, greater research triangle area, particularly Chapel Hill and, Char- and Carborough. Give her a call. Let her know you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast. You'll get special treatment although she treats everybody pretty special. I mean, her her clients sing her praises for good reason. In any case, the defense, I thought, did did well enough. They did enough to win in this game. I I thought, realistically, if if they held Florida below, say, 28 in this game, that this would have been a successful performance for the defense, and they did that. You could see the difference in talent level between Florida and Florida State, particularly with the skill guys, but Florida's overall offensive line you could see that was the best offensive line florida state has played this year and they mostly were able to handle florida state's defensive line better than what florida state had had seen so far this year better than any other teams that they faced that they'd faced they mostly handled them you still saw jermaine johnson get his here and there you still saw some pressure and some hits on the quarterback but it was still usually just a beat late to be able to to have the impact that it needed to though again they forced three interceptions in this game. Not only did they hold Florida to 24, but they, they forced three picks, and they were able to, to cause Florida problems, stopping drives, uh, changing field position, giving the offense better, uh, better situations. This defense played well enough to win. And when you look at this, I mean, they, that's despite the fact that, again, as I said, you could see that Florida had more significantly more skill talent overall than Florida State does. And you could see that despite the fact that Florida was clearly the older and more developed team athletically, significantly bigger team than Florida State. You could see a lot of yak, a lot of yards after contact, a lot of broken tackles for Florida, particularly in that first quarter. But at different points in this game, you could see, you know, Florida State was having to run to the football and these guys were hanging on for dear life and Culturally speaking, you could see the difference defensively from what Florida State had been early in the year. These guys 
they were not physically superior to that Florida offense, but they were fighting, scrapping, and clawing, and getting helmets to the football, and playing with the kind of pride and physicality that the Florida State defense should. But again, just not a ton of talent, and having to make up for some problems offensively, and it just was not enough. And they did have more trouble once Richardson went in there in the second half, and Florida had a lead. Once Florida had that lead and he was out there, they they had a little bit more trouble there. They actually were a little better in a yards per yards per play context in the second half than they were in the first half with Emory, uh, Emory Jones at quarterback. But the, the big difference is that Florida was able with Richardson to basically, especially once they had the lead, they were able to run the football as the primary, use the quarterback in the running game a little bit more, and they didn't turn it over. And that, that was really the difference when, you know, when between first and second half, Jones with the three, three picks in the first half. That was really the difference. And you know, ultimately, once Florida's able to get a little bit of a lead and, and use their physicality and run the football and just basically force Florida State to, to catch up after a couple of those bad breaks, that was enough. And again, with Travis, FSU was able to, to, to score a couple touchdowns and, and, and was able to make it close, but just ran out of time. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, not only did they have a terrible start, they had about as bad of a finish in terms of an onside kick attempt. That might set the record. That might be the worst onside kick attempt I have ever seen. Might be the worst in the history of the sport. You know, it's, it's not often that you see a kicker actually whiff on the onside kick. That, that was... That was something, and you know that that'll go down in in the lore of this series. But what a way to finish! I mean, you finished with a with a whiffed onside kick, really. And I mean, that brings us to talking about the special teams and special teams not quite so special as garage makeovers, where they really are. They do a special job. The best garage remodeling company in South Florida. If you're in Broward or Palm Beach counties, they cover you. They have been number one on Angie's list for what, 10 years running, the best the best in the business down there. If you want to have the garage that is the envy of your neighbors, give them a holler. Let the biscuit know you heard about them from the Unconquered podcast. But special teams, not nearly so special. Yeah, the muff punt cost them. Uh, and actually, let me take a quick look at this. Yeah, based on the numbers that I'm looking at here, that muff punt basically increased Florida's chances of winning by over 10%. I mean, that's a huge shift. And, you know, probably worth well over a, a total of six points in terms of the muff just because of where you're at have you, having flipped the field all of that if he catches that and has even just fair catches that then you're you're still in the ball game in a completely different way because I mean it's still 10 to seven at that point and then that allowed them to go 17 to seven and that's that's really where the game uh, where the game turned so yeah I mean <sighs> Special teams were far from special for Florida State in this game, and that one was a big one. And then, of course, the onside kick, you're unlikely to get it either way, but they they really did not handle it all that well. So, yikes. So, um, overall, looking, at, looking back at this one, I, I, I thought Florida State was as competitive in this one as I expected. I mean, I think most things went more or less as expected. And frankly, I, I thought Florida State was more successful on the ground and was more successful limiting Florida's run game than I thought. Sack-adjusted rushing yards, Florida State was 6.1 yards per carry, 
Florida was 3.3. FSU really won the line of scrimmage in this game overall. And that was, that was a bit surprising to me. And it just goes to show how much the, the, the Knowles have improved in that area this year. Nevertheless, again, without not having uh, Jordan Travis for almost the full quarter, that was enough. Third down percentage was another key in this game. Florida was at 58% success rate. Florida State, 41.7. Most of that is because, because Florida had more uh, third and short opportunities than Florida State did. That, that's really where that, where that comes down to as I'm looking at that here. Uh, Florida State's average to go on third down was, uh, let's see, 9.7. Florida's was a 7.2. And Florida State was 2-for-2 two two on third and short. Florida's 5-of-7. So Florida had seven third and shorts. Florida State only had two. Uh, and that, that really is where this game, I think, on that side of the ball, or on that side of things, hinged. You know, that, that takes into account, again, not having uh, those, those three drives that got flushed. Uh, on first down, FSU was actually a little more successful, averaging 5.3 per, per, uh, per play on first down, Florida 4.6, but uh, not enough of a gap there really to, to compensate for some of the issues that they had, particularly, again, not being able to take advantage of, of some field position and things when Travis was out in the first half. And then as you look at the season as a whole, Florida State should be going to bowl right here. If they hadn't called Robber on two, two consecutive plays at the end of the Jacksonville State game, they're 6-6. Six and six. And frankly, 6-6 six and six with this roster against this schedule would have been a successful campaign in my opinion. I said going into the year that if they win six games, you kind of nod and you go, well, okay, they, they held serve, that, that, that's okay. And then you know if they win seven, that's a that's a that's a good year. That, that's more than just a successful year. They did that's a good year. If they had won eight, then you're doing backflips. Then you know for sure that this is this is a coaching staff that's gonna get it done at Florida State. And ultimately, that that game is on the coaching staff. That's a game where that was ultimately the difference in the season and the difference between getting 15 more practices and and continuing to be able to build your roster during that period. Uh, and having a six-win season, being able to go to a bowl versus not. That's the difference. Nevertheless, I, I think you could see as the season wound down that the culture and overall quality of this team showed a marked improvement, no doubt. And they still need to improve the roster. They still need to show. They, they still need to uh, to turn over some things. They still need to get significantly more talented at a number of spots. But they're in position to take a significant step forward. There are lots of things that they're going to have to worry about coming into next year. You know, they're going to have to find ways to minimize the drop-off at the edge position. Significant ways to minimize that drop-off. Because it's going to be awfully hard to replace Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas and what they gave you this year. Odds of finding two guys that are going to be able to, to replicate what those guys gave you this year are really, really slim. I mean, I would say it's almost certainly not going to happen. You say, well, what about, you know, George Wilson? What about, uh, you know, the, the freshman that came in last year? Well, those guys at this point are really still a year away just because of weight. They're not, they're not big enough to be able to do what you saw from Florida State's ends this year. I mean, you, those guys were grown men. Jermaine Johnson is 260, 265 pounds, and he moves 
and he can throw some guys around because he's a grown man. Kier Thomas, 270 pounds plus, grown man. And it's going to be very difficult to find anybody that can replicate that kind of impact for Florida State on the edge. And they're going to have to find a way to minimize the drop-off. You're not going to replicate the impact. Can you find a, How can you minimize the drop-off at those spots? That's, that's one of the core missions for the offseason for Florida State. They're going to have to figure that out. That said, I think they should be able to improve nearly everywhere else on this team other than the defensive line. Now, the problem is that aside from the quarterback position, you could argue that the defensive line is the single most important element on any team in today's game. So, you know, I don't think they're... I mean, they may have to replace all four of their starters on the defensive line, and there was a significant drop-off any time any of those four starters was on the, on, on the sideline. Now, they do get Briggs back from injury. That'll, that'll help significantly. But that's one guy, and they're losing, I, you know, I would guess... At least three, maybe four. I mean, I'm not sure if Cooper's going to go. I think Fabian Lovett is probably going to go. He, he really showed out this year and, and proved that he's an NFL-type talent. So if you lose both Thomas and uh, Johnson, which you're going to, and then you also lose one or both of Lovett and, and Cooper, that's a big deal, and you're going to have to find a way to replace that, that production up front. And that's really the biggest concern going into next year, aside from the quarterback t- depth and some of those things. But they are going to upgrade in a lot of other spots. I think they'll improve in a lot of other spots, partly by some guys just getting better as they're, as they're getting older. So some of the younger talent will be able to, to get incorporated. Some, by, some from the transfer portal, some from a couple of freaks coming in, like you know t- Travis Hunter. You, know, you get that guy on the field, and he's worth, worth some some extra, uh, you know, work some extra opportunities to win football games. So they're going to have some some improvement in a lot of spots for next year. And this 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 team in the second half of the year really did find their feet, find their 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 footing, and and started to transition the way that Florida State plays football. Now it's going to be really important for them to carry out, carry forward that buy in, moving into next season through the off season, have a great. You know, they've got an extra couple months where it's basically off-season lifting to be able to continue to get bigger and faster and stronger. Ordinarily, you're going to be doing that with some of those guys during the, uh, the bowl prep as well, and you're going to get some fundamentals uh, work as well during that period. So you lose that, but you do get a chance to really focus on an- another month and a half, essentially, of just straight off-season conditioning. And maybe, you know, you can get a couple more pounds on a few guys get a little stronger, continue to get healthier. They, they can improve in a lot of areas, and I think they will. It's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do to, to compensate for some of the losses that are really key, where they can improve. But I do think Norvell and, and company did show some proof of concept here for some of the guys that are core recruits. And to be able to hang on to, to, to some of those key guys and to be able to potentially attract some of those key guys not a successful end to the season, ultimately not a successful season. Like I said, really the Jacksonville State game is the, the game that prevents you from being able to say that this season was a success. But overall, a promising finish to the season for Florida State despite the loss to rival Florida at the end of the year. And showing that this is that this coaching staff can get this this thing turned around, that they've got the things headed in the right direction 
but it's still really just a matter of what talent can they add and how can they continue to build from here. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.